You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. So you got to know what are the stakes of that scene? What do those characters want? What's the tone? How do they speak? Are they reacting or reacting? What, all, you have to just know all those things and where, where you need to see to get to Hello, everybody. I'm Justin Guarini, and welcome to another episode of Audition Secrets, the behind-the-scenes podcast for nailing more auditions, booking more jobs, and having outstanding conversations with some really awesome people. And today is no exception, my friends. On the podcast today, I have Tony Award-winning writer for Tootsie, the musical, Robert Horn. Robert and I have worked together before, and we have such a good time whenever we are together, and this conversation you're really going to love. We play it fast and loose, and we make fun of one another mercilessly. He is probably one of the funniest people I have ever, ever met. Some of the things that we talk about are his career, his work as a writer and a showrunner on the West Coast, and and a big takeaway from this is, you know, it's easy to see the people who have won awards, the people who have the big names, the people you always hear about. But really, truly, success in this game is not about getting those big victories. It's about staying in the game long enough to get those victories. And Robert is definitely one of those people who has been around and working and working hard for over 30 years and is now finally getting his due, finally getting his Tony for his wonderful work. Something else that we talk about is what makes actors stand out in the audition room and a little myth busting on what's okay to do in the audition room and what's not okay to do in the audition room, as well as the clues he leaves in his scripts as a writer. Okay, let's get right to it. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Tony Award-winning book writer, Robert Horn. Before I begin, in my notes from your staff here, uh, funny enough, it says, Justin, you must read the following paragraph verbatim or Mr. Horn walks. So I'm just, I'm just going uh, to read the paper they sent me right now. Okay, um, <clears throat> here we go. Wow, Mr. Horn, thank you so much for sitting down with little old me for this interview. The people listening on their headphones can't see it, but I am blushing furiously. I'm such a fan. Oh, wait, that's all in caps. I am such a fan. Robert, is is it okay if I call you Robert? Wait for a response. I walked. <laughs> well, I'm just, I, right, I just, I just, I'm just gonna I keep reading. <laughs> before you started. I'm, I'm just gonna gush for a, a moment. Right, Not only right. did you win the 2019 Antoinette Award, colloquially known as the Tony Award, for being the best book writer of the 2019-2020 Broadway theater season, but you've done something that no one has managed to do. In 22 years, you swept uh, the New York Drama Critics Award, the Drama Desk Award, and of course, the Tony Award. So I guess really, as I sit down enthralled by the fact that you have decided to come onto my podcast, my first question is, how does it feel to finally be the national treasure that you've always been destined to be? I would correct just one thing in there and say international treasure. (laughs) (laughs) Tootsie hasn't gone on the international tour yet. Wait a minute. You haven't even gotten the national tour yet, buddy. The treasure has no chest. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, it is, you know, it's great. It's, it's, it's just the trophy, just the trophy that is sits on my desk under glass with four lights on it. Yes, exactly. Music that plays. (laughs) It's, it's, it's incredible. It's, 
first of all, for me, who who has been doing this for many, many years on both coasts, um, it, it's an acknowledgement from a community, truly. And as you know, the theater community truly is a community more than I think uh, uh, most other art forms. Yeah. And it's an acknowledgement from your community that um, you're accepted and that your work is appreciated more than anything. And you know me, I, I'm not usually a serious guy. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a, you know, but I, but it really was humbling. And it really was, uh, I don't like competitions, um, yeah. mostly for other people because I win, but it's, it's no, I don't, I, I'm not a competitive person because I think every, every artist brings something to, to their work right. that nobody else can bring. I just think we're all individual creatures and beings. And even though we, you might go in and write the same show as someone else or have read the same pages as someone else, what you bring to it is different. So it's not really a competition. It's just who's going to make the most money this year. Right. And I got that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so, but it's, but it's humbling and it's, um, and, and it's, it's, uh, uh, it's really nice, but it also, you put it in perspective and because the, the day after the Tony Awards, you're unemployed. Yeah. So you're back. You're like, okay, got to get my next job. <laughs> so right. uh, there's a, it, there's, it's a harsh reality, but it's an amazing. And it's, it's a, it's amazing to, um, and when you're, you know, it is this series of awards, you know, in, in, in Hollywood, it's, you have the golden globes and then you have the SAG awards and you have these, a series of awards leading up to the Oscars in theater. It is, it's, it's this series of awards and it's just this, mosh six-week mosh pit yeah. of parties and events and press and campaigning and all this stuff what for and for actors they're doing that while they're while they're doing eight shows a week i, I didn't have that but sure. um so it's intense and it's fantastic and you're 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 surrounded by people who be who you have admired your whole career. Yeah, you know, and you're I saw sitting next to them and yes. it's insane. And people come to see the show and then come back after and you meet them and take pictures with them and you're like, oh my God, I'm standing next to Norman Lear. Yes. And it's, or Cara Burnett or, right. or, or Oprah Winfrey. And they're telling you, they're praising your work. And so that um those, those the spoils of that are wonderful but it's 35 years of work to get to it so well so, look yeah. you know what i think the most astounding thing uh, from my perspective really my is eyes. truly your your false oh. modesty it is it's yeah. impressive <laughs> it, it is but, one of the most impressive you know, things you remember when we used to practice that <laughs> <laughs> in the mirror yeah it was great it was great you always now, beat now, me at that now. too <laughs> yeah. Well, now I don't know if anybody, if the if the um, if the three or four people listening are uh, are know this, and I don't know if you said it, but Justin and I know each other. We worked together. Yes, without we a doubt. I'm going to get to that. Look, look, I look. Who's okay. running this interview, buddy? Okay, you listen, you let me run the oh, show, pal. Sorry. <laughs> Here you sorry, go. Miss, excuse Ms. me. Sorry, Mr. Tony winner. That's Miss Clark's in the that, second. Thank you very much. I know you're gonna. I know you're gonna probably you're gonna get to that, but I have to say it because there's gonna there's there's a already somewhat of an informality to our conversation yes. so the context is that we have a history yes without and a doubt and might i add one that i i cherish oh me too me too and i definitely uh, alluded to that into the introduction uh to this uh, interview but in all seriousness robert congratulations and you're right we did work on moonshine that hee-haw musical and, and the book was a non-stop laugh right i had so so much fun with you but let's take it back for a second people mo know you now for tootsie but um, 
I want to take it back to one of my favorite shows growing up, Designing Women. I remember watching that show along with Golden Girls because my mom and I lived for a time with my grandmother and aunt and uncle, and they watched Golden Girls, Designing Women, Night Court, like those, so cheers religiously. And you are the showrunner for Designing Women. Now, what does exactly does a showrunner do? Obviously runs a show, but you're basically the head cheese, right? You Well, yeah. <laughs> We, we don't say head cheese. Well, well <laughs> I left that one open for you, and you, you stepped right Jewish, into the bear trap. We don't, have, we don't suffer from that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, also, part of the joke. Right, um, right. <laughs> uh, you know, a showrunner in in television is um, the person usually. Who now initially not in the case of designing women that was Linda Bloodworth Thomas had created mm. the show, but right. the showrunner is the person who usually comes up with the idea for the show and pitches it and gets it sold, and then is runs the show, puts together a staff and a team, and and sort of oversees everything mm. because it's their voice and vision for the show. I came into the designing women in the later part of this series, so there had been a number of people before me uh, in different in that position. Oh, so after positions. it started to tank, they're like, "Well, who can we find?" Uh, yeah. So th- what happened was they were like, "Wow, this thing." Cancel. Who can we get? <laughs> who's going to so, take this? Who's going to ride this gonna, ship down to the bottom? <laughs> who's going to help you? Exactly. And I said, I'll sink with this. Uh, no, and it, it was a really, it was a very interesting um, and very quick acceleration, one that is not normal. You know, in television, yeah. you really work your way up the ranks. It's changing a little bit now. As 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 the industry itself is changing so right. much because right. you know listen there was a time when there were like five networks and, and that right. was that was the only place you could sell a show now sure. there's hundreds of networks and thousands of shows you can't keep up right. and because of that the escalation process to becoming the showrunner um, is much quicker because people are coming over from film who has never who have never done television and suddenly they get their own show right. uh, and that's just that's the, how the process has changed but and I was talking to speaking days, of that I was yeah. talking to Laura Bell Bundy who was a guest a little while ago and she said that the two of you have written a wonderful show together and I cannot we wait did to find we have out a little um, a little TV project at Netflix that we're doing oh together. that's so great well, I can't uh, wait to hear I more know. about when it's ready I uh, <laughs> we uh, <laughs> Okay, you're not in it. <laughs> Damn it! I thought I could just no, just but, drop just a little subtle not. hint. Yeah. Oh, okay, all right. Well, like, fine. Thanks. When are you get, well, let me know when you drop the subtle one. <laughs> okay. Uh, so basically, what happens is you you start as a staff writer and work your way up after many years to different mm-hmm. levels and become a showrunner. But this was towards the end of the show, and they had cut the staff down, and they kept they kept cutting it down because there wasn't they were not pouring a lot of money into the show. You know, right. they were like going to be like I think there were two or three seasons left at that point. Right. And so I started off as a as a as a staff writer and, and very quickly, because there was no one else, accelerated to, to sort of running the show and, and, and with David Steinberg, who was a brilliant um I don't know if you know him, director and comedian mm-hmm. for many for from the seventies and eighties and and, and uh, an incredible director, ended up becoming one of the executive producers and right. sort of taught me everything, taught me uh, how to cast, how to edit, how to how to run a show, and so it was a it was sort of like having never had a job and suddenly becoming the lead in a musical. Right, you just <laughs> that's amazing. You just you learn as you go. Yeah, sure, and I mean that 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 certainly happens to people but in our business without a doubt. But to cut your teeth on that kind of show, where where I really learned how to write 
um, for strong women characters yeah. and how to how to address issues through comedy. That's um, which sort of became something that I that I try to carry throughout my career, and I love you know even as, as you see in Tootsie. Um, to deal with contemporary issues in a way, because I always say, if, if you can make people think, uh, laugh, then you can make them think. And and sort of, um, that's what we did on Designing Women. Right, right. It's such a, a, a much better way to get to the heart of a matter, you know, through humor. And, and I think it loosens everybody up. And you did a phenomenal job with Designing Women. Uh, Tootsie, Tootsie, Tootsie was all right. Uh, you know, it's great. You know, okay. it's great. You're still, it's a work in progress. Um, but um, really, what's your favorite... <laughs> <laughs> what's but in all seriousness, what's like a favorite designing women production audition or like set story that sticks out in your mind? Do you have one? I have some I cannot tell you. Well, the ones that you uh, can tell. But us. we did an episode where Annie Potts's character sees the face of Jesus in a shovel, <laughs> right? And it started this whole conversation about faith and religion and the role it plays in 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 our culture and all that. And I remember that episode and I remember we sat around and we were talking about it and we ended up sitting up until, I don't know, maybe two or three o'clock in the morning having this incredible discussion about faith. Just the women and myself and David and 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 uh, you know some of the crew, and it was I I I was out of body for one minute. And I said, okay, here I am. I was very young. Mm. It was my first show. I'm sort of in the in the in the head seat. I'm watching the show that I, I idolized for years before I got on it. Sitting with these incredibly talented people, having this discussion about faith, and I said, how will my career ever get better than this? Yeah, that's amazing. Now let, let's talk about that for a second. How has faith, considering you said that it was I don't forget it was thirty three or thirty five years in this business, how has faith played a role from that moment until you were standing on the stage accepting your Tony Award? Uh, didn't not at all. <laughs> so you're a backslider, really. No, not at all. Uh, you know, I think faith is different things to different people. Right. Uh, I, I'm I'm fairly agnostic. Uh, but I always say that that I, I think anything bad that happens to me is God punishing me for being an atheist. Right. So that's sort of that's sort of my view on faith. It's good. But, um, it's gotta I, be. I, I I think that um you you have you faith is about believing in in accepting the forces you can't control, but believe having faith in yourself. You right. are given a talent. You don't know where that comes from. Your job is to nurture that talent right. and to learn as you go. And, and because I think success is a, is a serendipitous uh, coming together of opportunity and ability. And so you must have faith in yourself and in the gift you were given and navigate the things that you have no control over and have faith that you are going to make it. It's right. just believing in yourself. Right. Like, it has a lot to do with it. Yeah, I, I always I, like I, to I say just, that you know, luck is preparation meeting opportunity, right? And that's the same sort of thing that you're getting at with faith. It's like you have to delve into yourself, own your own story. And if you're going to be passionate about something, and if you are passionate about something, you have to go for it full bore and just believe in yourself. You do, you can't worry what other people think, and everybody will think something yeah. and let you know it. Oh yeah, and you just you cannot let those things be blocked to to your uh, to uh, your journey. You have to just constantly, and it's it's hard because this business is more about learning how to how to accept rejection. Right. Than the successes, absolutely. The trophies are there. You'll get one or two in a lifetime. There aren't going to be a lot. Yeah. 
If you're well, lucky, you'll get, you'll get one or two. Rejection. Yeah, for sure. Now, speaking of rejection, I love Although, to humanize. Funny enough, I never have. This is really just keep this winning. Is more about your listeners. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's like you're you spend most of your time working on something that doesn't go yeah. or hearing people's opinion of your work. Right. Um, and so it's I, listen for you for actors like yourself. Uh, I first of all, as you know, I love actors because yeah. because um, a lot of reasons uh, <laughs> I can't do it. But <laughs> right. also they ha- they go and they, you ha- you really put yourself on the line every time you go out and, and audition for something. Yeah. I basically, as a writer, often will send my material in and it'll be judged, but I'm not in the room when it happens. Right. So. So I can't. I, it's just so much harder. I can't imagine what it's like to put yourself on the line well, every time you walk into that audition room and um, yeah. walk out, no matter what happens, with a sense of either having learned something or with a sense of you know there's a, a line in Tootsie which is sort of written as a joke, but he he she says um, we we battle off fear. You know this is for us. This is a, an opportunity. It's a it's a success or a failure or a lesson, but it's a chance. Right. We battle off fears just walking through that door, and I think that deserves some respect. Yeah, and, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. I, and you know, you you segue that. Oh my god, <laughs> I am touched. I am so deeply touched. <laughs> moving along, <laughs> moving along. I actually. I remember seeing some things, but I never really wanted to talk to you about it. <laughs> okay. I've had most of it scrubbed from the internet. So um, I, you, we segued most, uh, we segued into very nicely. people know you're funny? Like, I know you as a funny guy, but do people know you, you as know a what? funny guy? You know what? I don't think a lot of people, I mean, my friends do. It's like when they see the Little Sweet commercials, like people who know me or have known me growing up, they're like, oh, he's not acting. He's just pretending. That's a facet of his personality. Little Sweet, right? But I think we, it's- Honestly, we, we left. You are- just as a very funny guy with a very sharp sense of sarcastic and and an insightful sense of humor, oh, and I, I guess people don't people people don't really see, but you you, you are yeah you thank are. you I I appreciate you I now, love you so much it's so weird to me though that. You can have that kind of sense of humor, but still have no clue how to deliver a joke on a stage. So that- <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're cutting. You're cutting. Excuse me while I, while I bandage myself up oh, wait, here. What happened? What happened to me? <laughs> so, everybody knows that is so not true. I love to humanize the often barbaric process of auditioning, and you've sat yeah. in many an audition, including mine. Amen. So in the attempt to bring clarity to an often confusing process what are some of the things that you've seen actors come in and do or say that immediately tell you they're not right for the role that's an interesting question and i think that's different with every audition Mm -hmm. and i I can answer for myself as you know often for me i have a specific style of writing and style of comedy and you can usually tell pretty quickly if somebody understands the rhythms of what I write right. and, and, and what that is now that does, I'm not saying that they have to be perfect at it. I just, you can sort of tell when somebody has a flair for comedy or the ability to understand, um, um, a space and rhythm and air and timing and, and flow. And you can usually tell that, that pretty quickly. If somebody knows how to deliver a joke, you want to love everybody. You want to be surprised that every actor that comes in, you're hoping they're the one that, that is going to be the one. Such a great point. So so you, you, and that I tell this to actors all, all the time, which is, is we want you to be good. We, we want, and you, you know, listen, you, sometimes you get stuck with a time that's the end of the day and they, we've been at it for hours and you've yeah. heard the same thing over and over and you might sense 
a, li- a, a little bit of that. It, it might be a little colder in the room than, than you would like. Although, yeah, I try to be, I try to laugh, but, but, um, we want to, we want to, I think those, uh, those of us behind the table really want it to be successful on, on both ends. So right. I, I usually think that, that you have a, ch- you have a chance and I don't, I, you know, most of the time it's just about that somebody is not right for a role. And I, and I don't mean physically because there have been many instances where a character has, was an actor has come in that is not physically the type that you had imagined, right. but brings something to it that, that you also never imagined. And suddenly you're redefining what that character is for, for an actor that brings something special to it. So, so wait, so uh, speaking of that yeah. and speaking of that, I, I, that, that really brings me to a good point Be- besides his like stellar talent, the fact that he's just genuinely a great person and the fact that he had Tony nomination at the time, what made Santino Fontana the star that you had to cast? Did you write this with him in mind and not me? Or, or did he come in what? and, and just <laughs> blow you away? Well, I'll tell you the truth. Um, our, we we brought in a director, uh, an incredible director, Scott Ellis. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know Scott, but he is mm-hmm. just a, 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 a prolific and incredible director. And the one caveat he had to doing the show was he'll only do it with Santino. He had known Santino from another project they had done together, and in his gut, he felt this was the right guy. But wait, did you not? And did you not even mention me? Did you not say, "Hey, I know I did, this great I did guy." Okay. Didn't mention you, oh. and Scott said, "As I said, <laughs> <laughs> no." Here's the interesting thing about this was uh, Tootsie was a unique experience. Is yeah. that I think only two of the actors in the cast auditioned. Everybody yeah. else was brought in by the director, uh, or either Jim Carnahan, who's wow. our, our casting yeah. agent, or Scott Ellis, sure. from other projects they had known them for table reads. Right. Scott Scott's great because he would say, "Listen," he would say to to Yasbek and I. Uh, uh, there's somebody I have in mind. I, I don't know if they're right or not right, but I, I'm gonna. I want to bring him to the table. Read. I think they, they'd be good. Yeah. And just see what you think. See what you think. Knowing that we were gonna say, "Oh my God, get that person." Right. And that happened with almost every character was cast um, from being brought in from the table. Read. Only two actors auditioned. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know what it was. Maybe I didn't pay my cell phone bill that month or something. But it, 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 <laughs> again. <laughs> Again. Well, first of all, Michael Dorsey is 40. Yeah, I know. I'm just He's kidding. 40. No, it is so brilliantly cast. I cannot wait to come and see it because I am in love with so many of the people in that show it's itself. Cast. Really it's a great cast. And it's a love letter to to actors and to and to theater. Yeah. Um, which is what I love. I, I got the chance to literally celebrate. It's a little meta, but I got the chance to celebrate the very industry that the show is about. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that it existed. Have you ever walked out of an audition room and said to yourself, oh my gosh, that was terrible. I should have, could have done so much better. Well, you are not alone. I used to do that all the time until I decided to find a better way. And I started asking my coaches, my mentors, my friends, the shiny people I knew in the business, how they auditioned, how they approached the art of auditioning. And I began to discover patterns and roadmaps and secrets to success. And that's why I wrote the book, Audition Secrets, Volume 1, the -the behind-the-scenes guidebook for nailing more auditions and booking more jobs. And you can get that book for free at auditionsecrets.com. 
Com. Why are you giving it away for free, Justin? Well, let me tell you. I want to give you more upfront for free than most people will charge you for because this information is so vital. It is important. I want you to have it. You need to have it, and it will radically alter the way you audition, the way you approach performance, and like it promises, it will help you nail more auditions and book more jobs. So go on over to auditionsecrets.com and download your free copy today. Okay, so uh, you kind of answered one of my other questions about what is okay. it that you wish, the one thing that you wish every actor knew when they stepped into the room, which is basically like, we're on your side. And I, I, I side, tell yeah. that to people all the time. And, yeah. you know, a lot of my students it are like, true. it really is, because sometimes there's, uh, you know, we do things out of inspiration, and we also do things out of desperation. And sometimes you're on the other side of the table, and you've been at it for eight hours. And you know this better than I. I've spent a small amount of time on the other side of the table. And you're right. It's like, I love to tell actors look to flip the tables for a second and imagine that you had to watch one scene from your favorite tv show over and over again for eight hours with different actors in it every single time and it's just like how how barbaric and how grating that is on you and i just have so much respect for you the writer who has to sit there and listen to your work be done well, well or not so well what, every time what what's hard what here's what you should never do which i have seen is change the words right paraphrase or act your inner monologue because i've literally had auditions <laughs> no. where actors have spoken their inner monologue in between the written word. No, you haven't. Swear to you. Yes. But I, here's the other thing. And this is important because I think what, when you're hearing the same scene over and over and this, I stop, you stop sort of listening to the words and start listening to the actor or the, the actress. I, I, mm, I, I, sure. I'm not gender. Sure. I, I genderify. Sure. 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 I understand. And so, but, and so I think what, what you look for is, is, um, and, and this is not always easy because sometimes you're getting sides, a, the day of or the day before, right. but it's how it's choices. Is it, a, is the actor thinking, is the actor making choices? I don't care um, if it's the wrong choice, but if there's thought behind it, then I can say, all right, let me see how this actor takes direction. Let me see if I alter it in the room. If, I, if, the, if I say to the director, can you have them do it this way? Or the director, you know, will say, try it this way, that try it that way. Cause you hope you're in a situation where the director is seeing the material the same way you are. And, and, you want to see that an actor has made a choice now. And, you know, you said something interesting before. If you go into an audition out of desperation, out of like needing the job yeah. so much, you're not going to uh, be able to bring your, your, your best ability to that scene. Yeah. I, you know, listen, I get it. You want the job. And sometimes it was a, you had a hassle getting there. You got stuck on the train or you're running late or you had a crappy day or other. It's okay to use all that in whatever it is you need to do as an actor. Yeah. But if you come into the scene desperate because you feel like you've got to get the job, you've got to get the job, that is never going to be your friend because you can sense it. You're not going to be able to connect to the elements that you need to connect to as you're reading the room, as you're, as you're working with the reader who might be great or might be terrible or right. Take a moment before you walk in the room and and check your check check where you are and if you know you've just been like I've got to get this job I really want this job I really, let let that go you got to figure out how to let that go absolutely I mean I couldn't have said it 
any better um, Try. Well, except for the times I, I have said it because I've said exactly <laughs> what you're saying to so many of my students I've said it on other podcasts and I, I, I love the fact that you are confirming that I am correct well, in the fact you are, that you are, because also you know what you know what you don't need that job that's no. the thing you don't yeah. need that job if that yeah. job is yours you will get that job if that job is meant to be yours you will get that job absolutely uh, I, I gotta say this is gonna I, I don't want this to be too aspirational mm. because I'm not that kind of person but I have to tell you I, you know there's no reason I should be sitting where I'm sitting there are so many people that are just as talented or perhaps more talented than I well just that right, right. talented right. as I am. but uh, but there's no reason that I should be sitting here and they're not except yeah. that um, it was it was I never you don't give up and you keep plugging away and the things that are meant to be yours will be yours and if they're if you don't get it it wasn't meant to be yours. And I know that that sort of operates on that faith spiritual level. Right. And it's easy to say, but not easy to accept. But it is true. It's it's something else will come. Yeah. Something else will come that is even that was meant to be yours. Yeah, half the battle in this game, and you are living proof of that, is you just got to stay in it long enough. You just got to stay in the game, right? I mean, and when it gets hard and when you're running out of money and when you're running out of whatever other resources that you need, I mean, again, I go back to that inspiration and desperation. There's, there's times when we do things out of inspiration, but there are also those times when I, I, I certainly have been in a place of desperation and I find inspiration through that desperation. So that's where desperation can serve you. But I really love the fact that you spoke to uh, walking into the room without the sort of uh, huge Santa sack uh, on your back of all of that desperation. That. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh man, I can't, I got nothing. Uh, I got yeah. nothing for that one. But yes, yeah, so like, but that, no, that's, you know, because, because like, true. I always tell my students, I'm like, Hey, look, if you walk into the room that you got to set it down at some point, And most likely you're going to set it down between you and the people on the other side of the table. And it's just going to get in your way. And, so, and nerves, nerves will get in your way. You sure. know, you, you, it's okay to be nervous. Um, but how do you use that? And how right. do you turn that into, um, into a good, how do you make that into a good audition? But it's reframing. See, I, I love to think of the, like nerves, people are like, I don't want to be nervous. How can I not be nervous? It's like, no, 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 that's a good thing. That's energy, that's anticipation. Energy, you just yeah. got to reframe it. It's all about the story you tell yourself around those nerves. If your story is, I'm well, desperate, I need this job, I'm going to die if I don't get this, these people need to love me, then that is, that's not the story that you want to walk in with. If you can own well, your own power. Well, let me ask you a question. Go ahead. When you're, when you're, it's opening, you're, you book a job and yeah. you're on Broadway and yeah. it's opening night and you're incredibly nervous yeah. don't you have and as well you should be and probably nothing is gonna is gonna dissipate that nervousness mm -hmm. but what happens when you walk out on that stage you know what every single time a i tell everyone that i talk to about nerves it's like i'll be worried when i don't feel nervous because i think it'll be time to hang it up at that point because i just won't care but i love being nervous. I love that anticipation. And what happens is I get laser focused with those nerves. And people are like, I didn't know you were nervous at all. Because like, there's something and, and I'm not certainly not the only person that does this, but there's something that focuses me that makes me look really super sharp on the outside, even though I'm like pounding and sweating and, and whatnot, uh, heart pounding on the inside. And after about the second or third note, those nerves go away, the nervousness feeling goes away. And because I 
choose to be so in the moment, I am just then in that flow state. It actually sharpens me and I'm just in the flow and I'm doing it. And that little part of our brain that can say the most vile stuff to us while we're in the middle of trying to perform quiets down and I'm just in it. And so that's also what you have to do when you go into an audition. It's that same process. Absolutely. And and you've stood, uh, you know, listen, you've stood on stage looking to the eyes of legends of our industry. Yeah. And so that you also have to you know, let that go. And you might go into an audition room and there's people behind the table whose work you've idolized for years and you, you're, you're auditioning and you want so badly to be good because you're auditioning for yeah. people that are legends or that you respect or that. Um, you gotta let all that go because it's yeah. it's your moment. That's your moment. And Absolutely, it should be your moment, not theirs. Right. I I get. I love to say, look, instead of going in and thinking of it as a performance where you've got to go in and appease the gods on the other side of the table, and I mean that in the most positive way, it's more like a dialogue. It, it, because when we walk into the room and we put these people up on a pedestal and we oh and uh, and and do all that, again, it's like stealing away from your moment, like you said, it's but. If we, if we walk into the room being on the same level, because it's a dialogue between artists and you're going to go in, you're going to do your thing. And hopefully you're going to be able to talk with the director or the writer or the casting director or producer, or whomever's there and have a dialogue to see a, not only if you understand the material, but if you're someone that they want to work with for six yeah, months or a, three yeah. or a year. Well, there's something else that I tell people a lot. Like it's, it, when somebody comes in an audition that I'm in the room. The first thing you should do when you walk in the room is look at the writer, especially, and say, this is the most brilliant script I've ever read. I just I, I just had to tell you that. I just, I needed to get right. that out of the way. Right, right. And I, I find that when actors do that, mm -hmm. helps their chances. Really loosens up the room, doesn't it? Helps, it? Yeah. Helps, it really is just like, I like this guy. I'll usually lean over to the judge and go, I, I like him. Right. I like him. <laughs> good, good. That's one check. One box is checked off at one least. Box right? Exactly. No, it is. And it's good to ask questions. Actors, I find, and I don't know why, don't, don't want to ask questions. But I think yeah. you, you should definitely, I mean, not, you know, don't ask me who I'm dating. Right. But ask, but <laughs> it's okay to ask questions. It's okay yeah. to ask, can I do it again? It's okay to say, look, I made a choice on something that, but I, you know, it's okay to, to ask. To, yeah. To, it, yeah. Absolutely. And again, that, that goes back to what we were saying. It's just a dialogue. It is a back and forth yeah. and you're allowed to go in and not have all the answers. I love to frame script analysis to my students kind of like um, as if we're detectives and that it's our job to find the clues that the writers left for us. So it's a two-part question. When you sit down to write scenes, book scenes, mm -hmm. how do you, A, approach, it, approach the process? Because I, I would love to give people who stand on the actor's side of the table a, a view into how you go about the process of creating the scene. And then the follow-up question to that is that, you know, about the clues. But let's start about the the process of you writing a book scene and what it is your your sort of language your pacing your version of comedy what is that well i you know me i like i'm a joke guy yeah. i like i like yeah. a lot of laughs right. um but you have to you know that you have to analyze what the scene is asking for first of all it's all about tone 
Tone is the most important thing mm. when you're writing anything. And so you have to know what the tone of the piece is. Right. Um, when, you know, for Moonshine or you, and Tootsie, it's farce. Right. I was writing far, both of them. And I love, I love fast dialogue, big jokes and high stakes. Right. So you got to know what are the stakes of that scene? What do those characters want? What's the tone? How do they speak? Are they reacting or reacting? What all you have to just know all those things and where where you need the scene to get to. If it's a the interesting thing, like is in Tootsie, there are met there are like four, sometimes three, four, five scenes in a row with no song. Mm. Um, so it's almost like a play. Uh, sometimes you just got to get you have to get to the song, and the song is going to give you the information that you need, which also which, which happens often also. So nice. so. It, it depends what the scene asks scene asks for and wants, but it's always about what's at stake, what are the stakes, who are the characters, how do they speak, and what is the tone. Um, so okay, so, great. So yeah. let's take um, let's see what your favorite scene from Tootsie is. Okay, let's take that for example. Oh, I know it's God. like asking what your favorite breath is. I understand. I understand. <sighs> and so. If you had to choose a favorite scene from Tootsie, in that scene, what, in, in the fact that our tone is farcical, the stakes are high, if in fact this, the scene has high stakes in it, um, what are the clues that you leave for actors to interpret the intention of your scene? I mean, basically, I'm asking you whether or not you're clueless, but uh, really, <laughs> hey, hey, did you like that? That's pretty good delivery, hey. wasn't it? That's good. Hey, Every podcast, got to get that <laughs> one on every show. Even a blind squirrel every gets a nut show. sometimes, no, right? Listen, at the end of, listen, guys, so just so you know, at the end of the show, I'm going to ask the clue question, but I'm going to do the joke. <laughs> right, I'm okay. going to do the joke again, okay? <laughs> uh, you know, I tend to like, uh, a lot of writers don't, but I tend to like putting in stage direction, putting really? in where I think there's yeah. a beat or where I think there's um, um, a, a, a pause or where uh, a dialogue overlaps or um, but the the clues are, are all in in um, in the the in the writing it's just in you can feel the tone is it fast is the dialogue fast or are they are, are there is it more monologue or is, are there is there air are there breath you could mm -hmm. just you could see it on the page right. if it's quick dialogue you know that you know what I'm telling you, go, go. There's a pace to this. It's it's clippy. It's fast. Right. And comedy if usually is fast, you know, faster, fun, louder, funnier, right? Sometimes. Yeah. But and sometimes and you know, it's 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 get you know, especially with, with joke comedy, it's right. get to the end of the line. Right. Get to the joke. Get get to it. But you know, you, you know know the setup. And and but um it's it's really on the page in terms of what is the tone and pace? Mm -hmm. That's what it's it's telling you, and and sometimes you'll have a character will have a, a, a half page or full page monologue where there's a build, and you know you it's it's clear you got to start off a little slow, and then you're building and you're building right. and you're building and you're building to the big payoff of the monologue. Right. So um, just, it's it's really all there. It's really all there. Now, what an actor then has to come to do, I always say, you know. I, I, as a writer, will give birth to all of this. Your mm -hmm. job as the actor is to then bring it to life because right. it's just words on a page. Right. But you sort of, if you've got clippy dialogue with a lot of punchlines and, and people acting, action, reaction, action, reaction, one after the next, and there's a lot of that in Tootsie, mm -hmm. and you slow that down or you decide you want to, you know, you decide you're going to, 
you're going to make this a little bit of a drama. It'll never work. Right. It'll never work. And you can feel that. You can feel that. And that's a director thing too. Like yeah. one of the great things about Scott Ellis is he, he he tr you, he trusts the material. Then he 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 understands the vision in in the piece in its entirety. He creates the symphony, but he respects what each instrument is doing, mm -hmm. and um, it's about respecting the material. And actor too, it's don't try to don't don't try to be better than what the. And sometimes you sometimes you have to make not so great material great mm -hmm. that's an actor's job mm -hmm. too mm -hmm. um but don't judge that right but don't judge that sure yeah that, just that's, do it that's the problem <laughs> yeah. just do it and yeah. have fun yeah. have fun um but you know it's interesting because in one of my favorite scenes in tootsie is a scene where there's not a lot it's a lot of um it's not a lot of dialogue mm. there is dialogue but it's a lot of it is about physical comedy and reactions and and the laughter in the scenes are so long this this is another thing that i'm amazed at what what really good comedic actors can do is mm. knowing how to write a laugh yeah. how to not wait for a laugh but write it because right. there's a scene where the audience response the laughter lasts for so long amazing. it's amazing to me that i i watch the actor i watched uh, uh uh santino or or andy andy Gordelution or, mm -hmm. or or john bellman um hear it and know exactly when that moment is to to hit the next joke right right i think zara mostel said when whenever they're laughing don't move that was yeah, what... don't. just it's funny because actors will say well they're what do i do while i'm waiting for the laughter to stop and i'm like wait for Not... the laughter to stop exactly it's okay yeah. this is a heightened world we're yeah. in of, of especially musical comedy yeah. it's the heightened world and those rules will be accepted. People don't break out into song, you know. <laughs> Six, you know, or, right? or, you know yeah. six, you're not usually in life. Sixteen hundred people are not laughing at you. Yeah, we ex an audience will accept the fact that you're standing there waiting for them to have the re that reaction. They right. want to, and if you go, if if an, as an actor, if you don't allow them that, they'll stop laughing. Yes, because they'll they'll think they're going to miss the next line or you're yes. not giving them permission and they will stop laughing because you're not giving them the chance to get that emo to let that emotion out and it's them participating in your craft right the audience is participating in your show you don't you don't want to wait for them to do it because they'll get mad at you for that because right. if you don't hear the laugh you keep going but yeah. You have to give them the chance to do that. Yes. Excellent. Excellent advice. Okay. My last question for you, uh, because Lights I, I want to respect, <laughs> right? <laughs> like shoes on or Usually off, Mr. Horn? <laughs> um, really besides hire Justin Guarini, what is one of the greatest lessons you've learned in your, uh, 30 some odd years in this business? Really? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm asking the deep question. Cash the check fast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me too. Me cash too, the yeah. check fast during previews. Uh, uh, the greatest lesson I learned is just, um, I don't know. It's it's. It, I don't know if it's a lesson or not. It's just don't give up. You just yeah. cannot give up. You can't. You just. This, there are so many times you want to give up there are so many times you lose faith in yourself yeah. and, and there's so many times you just say i can't do it i can't do it you you just cannot give up it it, it can't listen I, the truth of it is 
there are some people that it just, it never does happen. It's just for whatever reason. But I, I think if you wait long enough, if you keep going, it will happen. I, I don't know many people that some version of it, um, have, it may not be the version you expected, but mm-hmm. it, it, it will happen. It just, I think that's the lesson is believe in yourself. And, and if there's, if it's like, well, I love theater and I love acting, but I also love interior design. Please go do interior design. Yes. Go do it. Yeah. Go do it because you have to be able, this has to be the only thing because, um, it takes that much. It takes, it takes a life and a lifetime to be in this business. It truly does. Um, but it, it, if it's your, it, if there's nothing else, then you know there is nothing else. Yep, absolutely. And that is a great place to wrap it up. Um, I cannot think of anyone more deserving of the Tony Award. I have enjoyed working with you so much. I have enjoyed our friendship. I, in all seriousness, I know we laugh a lot and I Who's love it? that, but I have, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Oh my <laughs> Marie, oh my I'm sorry. God. Who am I talking to again? <laughs> Son of a bitch, get out of here. Son of a bitch. Marie. The fu- I don't know who that was. Who came? He had one arm. Who's it was that? crazy. I don't know. But <laughs> so, um, God, I had a little soda can. Yeah. <laughs> You're very funny in those. <laughs> See, that's the Justin I kind of know. Yeah, of course. Well, look, and and I love being around you, and I love laughing. And you know what? I really find I I get funnier around funny people because I have this like that little the good version of ego and that good version of competition. Like I wanna I wanna be funny around the really funny people, and you give me that opportunity. And so, really, thank you for sitting down, sharing your wisdom with us. Congratulations on a well-deserved Tony Award and all the other writing awards that you got. And I I gotta say, I so appreciate you having um, coming to have seen the show and the email that you sent afterwards. <laughs> just it did my. I'm it was gonna so, come see the show, <laughs> and then uh, yeah. I'll let you know when I'm in the city, and and you'll come and and you'll I'll, I'm gonna sit with you while you watch. Please it. do, and stare at me the entire time, okay? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> with with your hands but on your you, fists. But but you remember what I mean? Listen, I, I know what you gotta go. But when, okay. when we did Moonshine, and yeah. look, there were definitely some problems with that and and, sure. and you know we'll learn a, but that that we they were, the laughter was unbelievable it was so great often. yes that was so great and i remember you i would watch you um just riding that yes it was so much what well, you because you set me up that and that was it we were having such a good time up there and you know it's like we could have talked in this interview about you know david yasbeck and his brilliance and you brilliant. know all of the brilliant people that work with tootsie but it, just taking it to moonshine it's like with dennis uh his choreography and like oh it just was like it was so yeah. so well so well done and we had so much fun and it was the perfect audience it was this hee-haw musical that we did in dallas texas i think it may be coming back so well all right that's another conversation that's that's part two interview right i'm gonna put you on the hot seat for that one all right well thank Um, you i really appreciate you you, great to talk to you too man i wish you all the best have fun out there in la and uh i'll talk to you soon man let me know when you're back in the city okay okay but you're gonna tell me how to get my phone back on right okay ah I love that guy so much. Every time we're together, we try and out-funny one another, and of course, he wins. That's why he's got the Tony. Hey, thank you so very much for listening to another episode of Audition Secrets. Um, 
I had a really great week this past week. I did an event with Robbie Roselle at 54 Below, and I ended up not only working with Robbie, who is a fantastic guy all around, but I ended up meeting two of my most favorite podcasters, Patrick Hines and Jillian Pensavale, of course, of the True Crime Obsessed podcast. We had so much fun. I have fallen madly in love with the two of them. If you haven't had the chance to check out True Crime Obsessed, the podcast, please do it. It is hilarious. It is binge-worthy, and you will not regret it, I promise you. Okay, in the meantime, I'm Justin Guarini. This is Audition Secrets, the podcast. Thank you so very much for listening, and remember, at the end of the day, you're just one audition away. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.